Hi, everyone, and welcome to the January 13th, 2023 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor at Automotive News Canada. We're going to do something a little different on today's show. We're going to take you inside the media scrum that followed the unveiling of the Automotive Parts Manufacturers Association, all-Canadian, all-electric, Project Arrow, unveiled at CES in Las Vegas on January 5th. Our Tim Demopoulos was there, and today you'll hear from APMA President Flavio Volpe, the association's chief technology officer, Colin Dillon, and Ontario Economic Development Minister, Vic Fideli. They'll tell us what the vehicle means to Canadian automotive, break down the vehicle's specifications, detail what's next, and tell us when Canadians will get to see the vehicle for themselves. All that and more on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. Flavio Volpe began the scrum by describing the reasons behind Project Arrow. This is the latest edition of our technology demonstration projects that used to be on just um, Ontario-built Toyota product and Ontario-built Stellantis product. We were able to put uh, a dozen or so technologies on and go bring it to other automakers and try to sell that tech. What we said is, well, if we did our own car, could we triple, quadruple, quintuple that number? And that's what we're doing here. So this car will go on a world tour of these types of shows, but more importantly, we'll go to Ford. We'll go to the Rotunda and the 275 engineers, designers and procurement people that came to see the connected Lexus that we did uh, are going to come out and see this one here. And we'll bring it across the pond in both directions. And uh, this is the beginning, not the end. We've built a, a working prototype, but the most important objective here is that every single one of these companies here gets expanded business with all the automakers around the world. Vic Fideli then explained what the achievement means to the province and country while Volpe described the cross-Canada reach of the project. Well, we'll continue to promote the fact that all of this is uh, uh, designed here in Canada. All of these manufacturers, uh, almost the entire car, virtually the entire car is uh, designed and all of the components built here in Canada. So this is this is uh, exactly the showcase that we need, the proof point that we need when we're sitting and talking to uh, OEMs or other uh, parts makers that Ontario is the ecosystem that, that is already built. They need to be in that ecosystem. They need to be amongst the 700 parts makers in Ontario, amongst the 500 tool and die and mold makers in Ontario. This is where EV comes to play. And the core of the technologies around here the core geography is Ontario, and we have exciting uh, technologies from Quebec, LiDAR and battery technology, and we have nanotechnology from uh, Nova Scotia, and we've got uh, uh, cybersecurity technology from out west. But this is, Ontario was our first partner, and we partnered with Ontario first because uh, 95% of the industry is there. And we have what we think is the one of the most relevant global IT clusters for transportation in Ontario going from Windsor all the way to Ottawa. So we did zero emissions, autonomous connected in partnership with Ontario first uh, because that was what was uh, going to make this thing legitimate and credible. Volpe was asked about the biggest challenge the program faced. Here's what he had to say. Well, there's uh, there was this virus that uh, escaped uh, in uh, the Wuhan that kind of shut everything down and we had we had 534 companies interested 
but so many of those were disrupted, both in terms of production and operation, but also by spot prices of the materials that they were using. And so we had about 230 that qualified, and but that final list of 58, uh, you know, if we had built this car in, in 2019 or in 2015 or in 2025, might be different. They're the companies that were struggling with uh, specific quarters and specific half years or the price of the stuff that they were going to use so they dropped off. Luckily we had 180 or so companies that could have taken their place but that was really tough to do. And then the second thing is we're not an OEM so we don't have a production facility or an R&D facility and so our partners had to be uh, so much bigger than anybody else's in this space and so we relied heavily on Ontario Tech University to do that assembly and re-engineering piece and for the Invest uh, Windsor Essex VR Cave to take the design parts and work really uh, grind down the engineering to usable CAD. And so everything had to go right to get us here uh, at the one specified date and the budget that was inflexible and we did it, but we'll tell the story of the sausage making later. And just how much did Project Arrow cost? So we think that the total envelope on this car, where we'll do the final count when we do the final testing, is in around $20 million. Uh, most of that is from industry. Uh, and that's the components were contributed by industry, the research and design work in it, uh, the rework in it. And then we were uh, very, very uh, uh, excited to have Ontario come on as a first partner with the first $1.8 million. And then the feds came on with $5 million through FedDev. And then Quebec said, they wanted to do it and support Quebec companies directly who were involved for 1.4. So about 60% or so came from industry. You know, the challenge our government friend said was, look, if we do it, you've got to match it. And I said, don't worry about matching it. We're going to far exceed it. Uh, what you can do by being our partners is to help legitimize to those industry partners who we asked for $300,000 part contributions to say, this is a legitimate project with the right backing of the biggest champions of the sector and government. And we're here. Volpe then broke down some of the vehicle's specifications. Uh, we'll do that. It's in the background there. Oh, it is? Yeah. Okay. And, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but I'll tell you right now, the battery is an 82.5 kilowatt battery. We have dual motor set up here, 550 horsepower. Uh, the battery is a Volta Explorer graphene-enhanced lithium-ion battery. Uh, and uh, the motors are TM4 motors out of Quebec. Uh, what, what else? That's obviously a four-seater. You can see that. Uh, we think we've got to do the real-world world testing. We're going to do the testing on the rolling road at Ontario Tech in the next month, and you guys can all come and see that. Uh, we think acceleration specs on this will be zero to 60 and at zero to 100 kilometers per hour in three and a half seconds. So what we said was we're going to go for the fastest-growing, highest-selling segment. We're making engineering decisions based on if you were to put this car into production, uh, between fifty and sixty thousand dollars, what would you choose for your for your seating and for your wheels, so that we actually had something to credibly show Carlos Tavares and not a spaceship? And then we also said the full expectation from Carlos Tavares and other CEOs, as well as for people's general interest, it's got to perform like the leading models in that segment. And so we, we think we fit that. Project Arrow includes twenty-five new technologies, and Volpe, with the help of APMA Chief Technology Officer Colin Dillon listed just some of them. So uh, a company called Metamaterials from out east uh, has put nanotechnology into things, some conventional pieces like like uh, windshield screen with nanotech uh, uh, de-icing, but also in the connectors for some of the main EV parts. And so you can do that without doing cabling or um, uh, uh, coupling uh, on the in the battery itself. 
So we're using uh, graphene both in the, cano uh, the cathode and the anode for range extension. I'll let uh, Nano Explorer, uh, Volta Explorer tell you how far we think that is. Uh, but I think between that and Cap Solar's um, PV roof, we think we're looking at material range extensions in around the 10% range. Um, we have here out front of the car, you could see it after, the, you'll see a little bit of a, a honeycomb. I can't remember the name of the supplier, Colin can tell you that. It is a carbon capture technology. You sit there and say, well, why, why does a car have to carbon, uh, capture carbon? Well, we're trying to feature that, that that technology is these vehicles will be sharing the road with internal combustion engines, uh, vehicles uh, over the so next generation. He'll be picking it up. Hey, uh, Colin, <laughs> um, we're just talking about the some of the the uh, the uh, technology uh, the new technologies we're featuring here i went through who's the carbon capture supplier so carbon capture is it's a it's an apma um, innovation um, and then we worked with a company called um, uh, meta and so meta yeah and so what meta does is look they're 3d printed lattices and we went with 3d printed lattices you can only go for 3d printed lattices because of the amount of surface area it, which would allow you to capture carbon. And so the, the design is it's a passive uh, solution where as you're driving it, the carbon gets caught onto the 3D lattices and then you're able to take those out maybe six months later at a service center, drop it into a solution, carbon separates, and there's some carbon credits coming your way or the OE's way. Yeah, interesting. You know, whether or not we would invest in that or not, specifically on the, their vehicle fleet, available, of course, for fleet managers. So whether I'm going to make a car is one thing, but if I'm going to turn around and there's some equity to be made in terms of uh, capturing carbon on the 4,000 trucks that uh, uh, FedEx might have out on the road at any time, it's a Canadian technology. Um, Cybeats is a company, like we talked about, uh, the uh, President Biden last year in November said, if you're going to connect to intelligent infrastructure by 2026, your vehicles have to have a software bill of material that uh, provides a total transparency for every single piece of software in the vehicle, what its source is, how it interacts with each other, and a real-time tool to mitigate uh, performance, uh, connection, and vulnerabilities. It's a Canadian company. It's out of Toronto. Uh, they're, they're, uh, they've got some exciting customers that uh, they're going to announce. It's, it's a dual purpose. So what we did on this car is we challenged people who make conventional parts. In an EV world, everybody wants to talk about EV range and autonomous and connectivity. How does a wheel company come into play? Well, we had Fastco design those wheels specifically for range extension. And so that's a new design that'll be available now aftermarket for them, but they're featuring to OEMs. We had Woodbridge who does seats for Porsche to Toyota do a series of seats with a company called Mayant that has intelligent textiles that, um, that, that help deliver, uh, however you want to orient it, vitals, uh, you know, Colin has pioneered within this an orientation of vehicle as a caregiver, a whole bunch of the technologies reused to say, okay, if it's autonomous and you're having a, an emergency, what can the vehicle do intelligently for ambient temperature and to get you to, uh, to an emergency location? The best is we will send you guys follow material on the, on the 25 uh, technology, uh, uh, new technologies we're advancing here, but the best story will be told by my technology guy. Oh yeah, Geotab, actually very important. From an AI point of view, all of these uh, cameras and sensors and all of the intelligent sensors that are within the cars are gonna create a whole bunch of data that needs to be actionable in real time, protected in real time, but then uh, will then uh, enable all of those softwares that, that 
that move that either the hardware within the car, the car itself, or connection with uh, with intelligent uh, infrastructure. It's all enabled by the Geotap brain. Uh, uh, amazing advanced stuff like letter text, uh, LiDAR systems, both the hardware and software, they're gonna rely on Geotab. And Geotab will enable the monetization of that data for companies like TELUS and AT&T and Verizon. And what level of autonomy is Project Arrow? Here's Dylan to explain. Level three. If you're talking today, it's gonna to be level two to level three. And so, and again, you know, we've always been very clear that has to include radar, uh, optical cameras, as well as LiDAR. Uh, and that's why we've, you know, partnered with LiDAR Tech, who, you know, people know as a solid state company, but their LiDAR vision is, you know, truly level three technology. When does the APMA and its members start improving and updating the just finished model? So we talk around the office about the Avro Arrow, okay? And the, the important lesson the Avro Arrow that nobody else knows, or at least it's not part of the story, is there were six, five that went in the air, the sixth was going to go into the air, and there were another three that were down in production that all got destroyed at the end. And the first one was 85 feet long. The second one was 80 feet long. The third one had uh, two and a half mock uh, top speed. The second one was one half. There was a continuous improvement of the prototype. Colin built a working prototype because all of the companies that are platformed on this, we're going to show all of the OEMs this year. Second half of the year, if they have an improvement on the technology or some of the other 230 that want to feature something, this is going to be a living, breathing prototype that every time we bring it out as fresh as we can, we're gonna bring technology out there. We're along the ride uh, with Ontario Tech through the whole next year or two years. And uh, very importantly, you saw some of the young people here that were clearing a car. Well, those are fourth year engineering students. And the story here is about evolving uh, skill sets, evolving the relationship between the, the public sector, uh, sorry, the private sector and uh, post-secondary institutions. The Ontario Tech story is we had students from Ontario Tech working around the clock on this car. And you think about your resume now, you know, your student project was Project Arrow. Well, we're going to have a whole bunch of students who are going to do Arrow 2.0, 3.0, 4.0 updates, all under Colin's guidance. And we're going to try to get as many of those other companies on this car. Uh, what are our wishes for this car in that sense? You know, there could be an evolution where we make several prototypes to feature as many of those technologies as possible. It really is going back to the industry and getting the appetite they have to. What is the success, your commercial success, on that first battery you gave me? Do you want to go back for the second and the third one? And we've gotten a lot of uh, attention and a lot of interest from companies who weren't ready in 2020 when we launched it, uh, who were ready but had to drop off in 2021, 2022, or coming back and saying, let's do this thing again. And I think that was what we originally talked about uh, so many years ago. Uh, you know, we'll leave it to Vic on how many cars we're going to make, but there's no end to how many Ontario suppliers, especially, and really the advanced tech ones that want to be on. And where might Canadians get a chance to see the Arrow? Volpe outlined the domestic, North American, and world tours. So we're going to go home and we're going to uh, do a lot of testing at Ontario Tech University in their very unique, I think it's globally unique, uh, fully climactic range rolling road wind tunnel. Well, actually, that nobody gets to see because every time an automaker goes over there, they got to shut everything down. We'll do the testing. We'll prove out what we think 
um, uh, some of the capabilities are, and then tune in. And we're going to go to the Toronto Auto Show. We're going to do the industry day at the Toronto Auto Show, but then we're going to we're going to have a, a floor display for the public for ten days, and then uh, we're going to go to uh, Detroit area to OEMs. We're going to Palo Alto to our friends there. We're going to go down to Atlanta later in the year for um, uh, yeah, uh, in partnership with Peachtree Corners, which is an Atlanta suburb that has set up their streets to be to test autonomous uh, connected technology. We'll go to LA and then I don't want to scoop us, but uh, we've got our frequent flyer uh, miles uh, that are going to be used to go to Europe and then to go uh, to Asia to turn around and go to those partners that we have had like Toyota Canada that has been so helpful uh, to bring those suppliers over uh, to Japan and then go back the other way for uh, Volkswagen, Mercedes, BMW. I want to thank Tim for helping us out and all of our guests for answering questions from a number of members in the media last week. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.